Welcome to San Diego Sessions. We're here today with saxophonist and composer Jesse Adela. San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. Welcome to San Diego Sessions, episode 38. We're here this morning with a very special guest, saxophonist, woodwind artist, arranger, producer, uh, man of mystery, Jesse Adello. Hey, good morning, guys. Good, good morning. morning. Thanks and, for being here. Yeah. Also a uh, recent graduate of uh, CalArts. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. I'm your host, saxophonist, Ian Tordella. I'm your other host, um, calliopeist, Edward Kornhauser. And aren't you also a Fisher-Price toy Pianist. I'm a big kid now. Yeah. All right. Before oh, we get rest into in peace, Toys R Us. <laughs> oh man. Before we get into some of Jesse's music, I have a few questions for Ed. This is installment 38. Oh, and install this, away. This versus that. These are two artists, jazz artists, or possibly public figures of note, and Ed will have to pick one and only one. Feel free to jump in, Jesse. Sure. All right. Two two jazz artists enter. One jazz artist leads. <laughs> okay, first up, iconic drummer and leader of the Thad Jones Mel Lewis Orchestra, Mel Lewis, or what co-leader, I guess you could yeah. say, versus iconic pianist John Lewis. I thought you were totally going to go with um, with Mel Torme, actually, because of Mel's, but oh, I was all set. I always get, <laughs> I try to guess where you're going to go. Um, I love John Lewis's playing. I kind of loved that at an era in an era where so many dudes were were pushing the limit and getting extreme and pulling all these influences. He was almost kind of dialing it back, like his style of piano playing was so reserved, and it was almost like parlor music. But it was everything he did was so purposeful and all had a had a meaning. Like, I really liked the way he played. But I th- I think in terms of my personal taste, I'm going to go with. With Mel Lewis, like, because his time is so great, and the Thad Jones Mel Lewis Orchestra was, you know, such a, a a force to be reckoned with. But I do I do appreciate John Lewis completely took a different approach at a time where everyone else was going a different direction. And John Lewis, he did so much stuff outside of the MJQ. Like people just know him from Modern Jazz Quartet, but um, he had so much other work, and he sounds he always sounds good. So he always sounds like himself. Which is, <laughs> I could I can usually pick him out of the lineup. All right. And anyway, anyway, next one, and I think I've I've mentioned Don Bias before, but tenorist and bebopper Don Bias versus pianist Elaine Elias. Whoa. <laughs> I'm really yeah. I'm just I'm scraping for wow. new ones here. <laughs> Shall I let the two tenorists in this room fight this one out? What do you think, Jesse? I think I, I have to go with Don Bias, you know, and and he was someone that I I came to like pretty late. Actually, I didn't really know about Don Bias until I was playing saxophone for quite a while, and then I was like, oh yeah, there was someone in that like that jazz interim period that was kind of doing bebop even before bebop, you know. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of those guys that sort of straddled the swing era and bebop era mm-hmm. that don't get listened to as much. Or as you get deeper and deeper into jazz, you discover some of them. Exactly. Like like Roy Eldridge and Dizzy. Mm-hmm. All right, last up. I saved the best for last. Uh, drummer, beat maker, producer, modern jazz. Guru? Guru. I know what you're going to say. Mark Giuliani. Versus, Juliana, Juliana. Oh yeah, sorry. Not, not, not no, the, no. Now I've blown my cover. Mark Juliana versus 
uh, incredible, amazing, one of the best lawyers on the planet, Rudy Giuliani. Oh, <laughs> oh man! Uh, one of the wow, uber political today. Uh, <laughs> with Mark Giuliana, because duh, <laughs> I totally blew that one. Okay. Yeah, this show's already Boy. just like go- crashed into the mountain. It's a great start, guys. Oh. Okay, and again, we're here with Jesse Adello, and let's kick it off with one of his tracks. This is a, should we call this a large ensemble recording? Sure. And this one's called Obatala. Thank you. 
Jesse Adelo, that was Obatala. Obatala, damn it. It's okay. I'm not probably not even saying it right, honestly. <laughs> it's like, a, I know it's a convergence between like African mythology and Cuban. I know because it came over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obatala. So you were saying while we were listening to it, you recorded that just kind of all in one room. Yeah. We recorded all the, everything except for the vocals all at once. So um, essentially, there's a lot of interaction going on. Um, they're taking a lot of cues from me as far as what's happening, one thing or another. You're conducting and, um, and playing and and singing, I believe, on this one. Yeah, yeah. But this, the singing was, was later, so I didn't actually have to do that on the spot. Um, but yeah, I was essentially doing big gestures with my little alto, <laughs> or at least little on me. Um but um yeah the style itself of this tune is um to wawanko but the uh the the folkloric afro-cuban folkloric song that it's based off of is actually not done to a wawanko it's done to another uh bata which is a folkloric drum pattern hmm. and um i decided to just take the this melody and put some pretty uh dissonant jazz harmony over it i was curious about that yeah so and then i I did the same thing with the with the horns and uh i said you know let's just go one step further and just do it on the vocals and so and i had pretty good vocalists to be able to record it right they they kind of nailed it those those harmonies weren't terribly easy no and you 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 were singing on it too you were it was two women and you right it's a three part yeah uh uh-huh yeah yeah, it it took a while for me to get up to speed compared to them because they actually know what they're doing. And is it, it <laughs> is you you've got the the percussion section kind of going along, playing the wawanko mm-hmm. and the bass kind of boom 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 mm-hmm. kind of as a constant throughout the whole tune. Yeah, are both melodies the horn melody, which is the same melody in the in the vocals? Are they are you kind of just connecting them kind of freely over that, or are you rhythmically associating them with the rhythm? Of no, the- they're absolutely. Uh, free. They're supposed to be out outside of time. There's a few instances where they uh, lock in again with the rhythm section, but for the most part, it's supposed to be out. Yeah. My um, inspiration for this one was um, "Lonely Woman" by uh, Ornette Coleman. Yeah, where he plays a melody, but you know, some of it is not in time, and some of it is just, you know, it, it sounds more like a human voice than than a, a polished saxophone. So that's that's kind of what I was going for. That type of sound. Um, and especially in, in this style of music, I was just trying to experiment with different forms and how you can, you know, essentially do modular music, take one thing, put it on top of another and take another big chunk and put it on top of this ostinato going on. But it works so well, even to have like something that's very much in time and very much groove and then something that's very much not a groove or in time like over it they work so well together i was happily surprised yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> contrast is really interesting between the styles i mean it's one thing when ornette does it with you know one horn or, or two horn players right. but to do that with a large group you mm-hmm. know it really says something about the caliber of all the musicians just to focus on that idea the whole time mm-hmm. well every, everyone's kind of used to uh because this was a recorded at cal arts we're, we're kind of into uh newer more modern music and especially modular music so music where one thing is going on and you have to play something completely different Mm. and you know you're with group a and group b is doing something else and so you have to stay focused on what you have to do um but also um it wasn't i i try to make sure that it wasn't super clean i wanted it to sound like the entrances were um disparate you know that right there was a that, push and pull kind of constantly. Yeah, yeah that there were essentially different voices that were mimicking 
different vocalists, you know, if, if you're just kind of singing it in your, with your group of people, you know, in Cuba, you, you wouldn't necessarily all be in time. You'd see, be singing all the same words more right. or less, but, you know, but you, you know, I wanted to emulate that as close as possible. We all, you also had kind of a, a neat idea of putting a, an electric guitar with it, but not serving as a guitar, serving as a, as an effects man, as a, as a percussionist in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah that's that's all pretty pretty improvised i think the the only two instruments that are actually improvising are the guitar and the lead conga mm. the high drum um other than that it's everything's written out wow you know and it, it could sound like it could sound like everyone's doing their own thing you know but in reality like it's it's pretty controlled what's happening and uh this is actually from an ensemble that, mm-hmm. an actually like set ensemble that you you started uh named Ritmo. <laughs> yes, yes, help me, help me, please. It's uh, it's called Ritmo de Huateque. Huateque, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said it instead of me. I would have, I would have, I would have stumbled really hard. <laughs> and this is a, this is a group you, you formed. Yeah, this is um, a group I started up at CalArts. Uh, my last year there, I noticed that a lot of people wanted to play more Latin music and there wasn't, um, th- there wasn't so many avenues for, for everybody to do that. Hmm. So I decided to start my own salsa band and Ritmo de Huateque means essentially rhythm of the party. It's supposed to be a party band and we did a lot of party music, but I said, as long as we have this instrumentation and everyone's willing to do fun and interesting things, I'm going to write different stuff. And everybody Hmm. was very receptive to it. So like pull in some very traditional Afro-Cuban stuff, but kind of turn it on its head a little bit and play with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to, to do something like this, if you're really into Afro-Cuban music, um, at first I was really worried because it was it's kind of sacrosanct, you know this this style and this music, you know, uh, because it does draw from religious music essentially. Okay. It's like taking a, I don't know, Agnus Dei yeah. and like turning it on its head. You know, the Western world would might cringe. I mean, Obata Obatala <laughs> was a uh, he's. The song is about like a god from Africa, if I'm right, if I'm mm-hmm. remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. He's the um oh man I don't want to I don't want to say something incorrect but yeah he's one of one of the the main gods in um or one of the main orishas in the Yoruba tradition so um this particular one is is kind of like a a prayer to call like power from that orisha I went I did actually listen to yesterday I listened to a a traditional folkloric uh, ensemble playing this, singing this in the fifties. Oh wow, yeah. And so, because I was listening to, it, I'm like, I should Google this. And then after hearing your version, then I heard this traditional, or at least traditional from it was recorded like by a field anthropologist in like '57. I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, you can't hear it's the same melody, but it really makes you appreciate the harmonic as the new sort of harmony you threw into it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a very different thing. <laughs> yeah. A very different beast than what it came from originally, but I really did try to keep the phrasing as as close to what um, different recordings that I've heard as well. No, I could. That's why I was able to, after hearing your version, then even just hearing the horns and then hearing this vocal version from '57, I was able to. Oh, I could hear that. You Check know, it out. it's definitely cool. the same melody. It's just it's just tweaked a little bit. Yeah. It's got some Jesse sauce. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, so you just graduated from CalArts, I believe. Yeah, I graduated last year. It's been about a year. They're they're getting ready to to finish up another year here. So um, while I was, um, so I wrote this uh, in preparation for my graduate recital, um, along with just some musings, other musings that I I had. Um, I had a little bit of time to study with a saxophonist. Uh, Steve Lehman, saxophonist and composer Steve Lehman, who's teaching right now up at CalArts. And um, he kind of challenged us to write, you know, in a different style and write something that was kind of beyond our regular scope. And I was just really into this. At that particular time, I, I thought, well, I, I really like this music and I want to do something. I just want to experiment a little bit. Very cool. And I believe you, in addition to forming Ritmo de Wateke, how'd I do? Yeah, okay. that's there you uh, go. <laughs> in addition to forming uh, that group, you also started another ensemble mm-hmm. called Narthex. Yeah. Narthex 
Urban Chamber Jazz Collective. That's right. <laughs> now this is this is really cool. I was listening to this yesterday. Sorry, I sound like I'm now I'm really got my radio DJ on here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is another large ensemble, and uh, yeah, the recording you you're gonna play is from a record that you guys recorded at Capitol. Like right. Every year, I think CalArts does that. Mm-hmm. Every every year, um, uh, some of the students' tracks, and they're all. Uh, for the most part, they're all originals. Every so often, there's an arrangement, but it'll be some kind of obscure tune, arrangement of an obscure tune. Um, um, about 11 or 12 of them are chosen to be recorded at Capitol Records, and so you get the opportunity to get in there and get essentially what's, you know, one of one of the best recordings that you're that you're gonna get. It doesn't really get much better than than that. And this is this is quite the project. It's a large ensemble. It's how many pieces? Oh man, it's um, at least a. I want to say twelve or thirteen. Oh my! Mm-hmm. Wow! And you've got it's it's addition to like rhythm and your traditional jazz instruments you might hear. You've also got some other voices. You've got bassoon, mm-hmm. uh, English horn, I think, mm-hmm. oboe, French horn. Mm-hmm. Um, this probably marks the first time we've heard bassoon here on the podcast. <laughs> What's the sort of genesis behind this group, Narthex? The idea was that. Um, I, I had been playing in wind ensembles since middle school, essentially, you know, as, as a saxophone player, that's kind of what you do. You know, you play in these big groups like this and then, um, and that continued all the way through college. And I even have an opportunity to play, um, in a, in a professional wind ensemble, the San Diego winds here in town. And then um, I've also had an opportunity to play with the San Diego Symphony, so I'm really familiar with that music, and I and I love to kind of study that stuff, and that's kind of what I write for. But I wanted to take that and make it, and combine that with my love of just like urban styles, and I consider, for example, hip hop, jazz, you know, styles that come out of cities. I guess is <laughs> the only yeah. description of urban. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I wanted to put them both together. And the name Narthex actually came out of um, this idea that um, the Narthex of a church is this area that's um, this essentially this foyer, this hallway before you enter into the main sanctuary of a church. That's what a Narthex is. So a lot of um, just kind of common things would happen in that Narthex. Um, it would be, for example, baptisms or parties, funerals, things like that. So it was the meeting of, of the everyday, the commoners and this high all seeing thing. So I wanted to take this like high level of music writing or what most people consider like high level of writing and orchestration, instrumentation, things like that. And just, and then bring in like more common things that every, that a lot of people can relate to. Right there's some there's some gorgeous orchestration, some weird metric stuff, and you've got all these instruments that you weren't no, normally think of with, like music in the regular city, mm-hmm. but then then suddenly there'll be like this this cool like beat behind everything, it'll like slip into some some great yeah, it's really mm-hmm. cool. it's a great hybridization. Thanks. And this this piece we'll hear, um, Con Vols Alta, mm-hmm. is part of a larger movement. Yeah. Um, the Emergence Suite. What kind uh-huh. of themes did you? Uh, seek to explore essentially the emergence suite is um a story about my own life and how how it kind of came into my own Mm. as far as um standing for a cause um i'm not necessarily some like really self-proclaimed activist but surely there's you know some some things that um you know in this life that everyone kind of puts their foot down and says yeah like i can't i gotta stand for that um so this is kind of about about that, and it goes all the way from. Let's see some of my notes here. <laughs> it goes all the way from adolescence through, I guess, uh, you know, puberty, and then and some other lessons as far as like gaining wisdom, and you know, dealing with your conscience, and then finally this convulsalta um, is about finally emerging as the person that you are after having gone through all these experiences and what you will stand for. It means with a loud voice, but the particular wording in Spanish um, comes from a Chicano art gallery 
here uh, that used to be here in Barrio Logan called Volsalta. Mm. And I spent a lot of time there at trumpeter Bill Caballero's uh, Latin jazz jam. Um, kind of came up there learning how to play my instrument, really. And it was a big influence on, on me because I got to see a lot of Chicano art and that I wasn't exposed to before. And then I got to talk to a lot of people within the community. And from there, I uh, did some shows and performances and groups like the Afro Jazziacs uh, came forth from places like hmm. that. So it was a really big deal for me. You started, uh, you sort of had many of your formative years and formative musical experiences there. And then oh, yeah. you went to Cal Arts and continued to have more formative experiences and kind of brought them all together. Yeah. Which I think is very cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, for each movement of this uh, piece, this, this suite, you, can, you had a spoken word mm-hmm. uh, introduction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, have yet to record all of it. There is a you stream of the of uh, <laughs> the recital that well, it comes from well why don't we uh but, yeah. if you care to read it why don't we hear it and then we'll we'll go into the track del señor diego rivera al señor pablo picasso y a todos las artistas y hombres y mujeres de cultura del mundo todo lo que significa arte cultura y vida superior está ya en peligro inminente y estamos obligados a defenderlo inmediatamente. Tal parece que la inteligencia no basta. Uh, no basta ya al hombre para hacerle comprender que, de todos lados, está preparando su propia destrucción. Levante, pues, la voz, la sensibilidad y el amor para despertar a esa inteligencia de su letargo pasado. The translation says... From Mr. Diego Rivera to Mr. Pablo Picasso and all the artists and men and women of culture in the world. The entirety of art, culture, and a superior life is in imminent danger, and we are obligated to defend it immediately. It seems that intelligence is not enough to make man understand that from every direction he is preparing for his own destruction. Raise up then the voice the sensibility, and the love to awaken that intelligence from its past lethargy.
I'm Rob Thorson, and you're listening to San Diego Sessions. Listen online, wherever you get your podcasts. Here's your jazz forecast for May 14th through the 21st. Monday, May 14th, guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts the Monday Night Jam Session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 p.m. to midnight. No cover, 21 and up. Tuesday, May 15th, the Havana Jam, an Afro-Cuban and Latin jazz jam session, kicks off downtown from 8 p.m. to midnight at Prohibition. Trio Gajo plays Gypsy Jazz at 7 Grand from 10 to midnight. Wednesday, the 16th, Trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos hosts his regular Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66. Listen to the best jazz San Diego has to offer right in the middle of Balboa Park. Music from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come down early to hear the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 with up-and-coming musicians from around San Diego. Thursday, May 17th, saxophonist Rob Dove plays trio at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. Check out the Jam Session at the Ken Club, hosted by Rob Dove and Ian Buss on saxophones. Music from 9 to midnight. It's a $5 cover, but musicians get in free. You must be 21 or older. Friday, May 18th, trumpeter Gabe Wolf plays at the Handlery Hotel and Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. with our very own Ed Kornhauser on piano and Antar Martin on bass. No cover and your parking is validated. The Friday Happy Hour is a regular series put on by Holly Hoffman, so stay tuned for more great jazz. Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate, an intimate series in the Plaza Bar of the beautiful Westgate Hotel. Music from 8 to 11. The Bi-National Mambo Orchestra celebrates 20 years led by trumpeter Bill Caballero at Dizzy's, featuring over 20 of San Diego's finest musicians. Celebrate cross-cultural music with this Latin big band at 8 p.m. Cover is $20. Saturday, May 19th, pianist Irving Flores plays solo at Maritalia on Coronado from 5.30 to 8.30. Trumpeter and drummer Charlie Weller and pianist Ed Kornhauser play duo in the lobby of the U.S. Grant Hotel from 5.15 to 7.45. Charlie Weller then takes over with his trio in the Grant Grill from 8 to midnight with pianist Bobby Cressy and bassist Jason Littlefield. Across the street at the Westgate Hotel, vocalist Allison Adams Tucker pays tribute to the great Betty Carter, again with our host, pianist Ed Kornhauser and bassist Gunnar Biggs from 8 to 11 p.m. Also Saturday, the Whitney Shea Quartet plays at La Valencia Hotel in La Jolla from 6 to 10 p.m. Sunday, May 20th, the Lillian Palmer Trio plays at the Mission Trails Visitor Center from 3 to 5 p.m. You're listening to San Diego Sessions. back here at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. This is San Diego Sessions, episode 38, with our special guest, Jesse Adello. We heard Convoz Alta, and then with the jazz calendar from the Surefire Soul Ensemble, we heard Balboa Park. Both compositions uh, by our guest, Jesse Adello. If you like what you're hearing and want to see some more and hear some more, follow us on Instagram at San Diego Sessions Podcast. And you can also catch us on Facebook or if you'd like to be a guest on the show or have any comments, you can drop us an email. The address is sdsessionspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, as I say every week, uh, pop on over to iTunes, subscribe, and if you like us, maybe leave us a nice review, leave us some stars. And if you don't, uh, just stay away from iTunes, please. Just 
steer clear <laughs> uh feel free to drop me a dm on instagram and send me a lot of hate mail and you know say hateful things to me that's fine i love it i'm a masochist but please just just keep it out of the public sphere <laughs> all right now it's time for our favorite segment of all time installment 38 of the san diego seven with ed kornhauser and jesse yes this is the san diego seven these are seven questions we'd like you to answer from the top of your head and the bottom of your heart. Number one, what's the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? Um, the first thing I thought of was I was so excited to be here. Honestly, yeah, I've been I've listened to pretty much all of them so far. I have to, a few to catch up on. Man, I'm going to start writing my check right now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this man deserves a medal. <laughs> I don't think I've even... Well, no, I've heard everyone, I think. There might be one I actually haven't listened back to. I'm not going to say which one. I'm going to leave that for theory. There is one I haven't heard. I should listen to it. Um, number two. When you were first starting out with music, was there anyone who was a mentor to you in any way? Yeah, I think... Um... The first person that I can say was was really a mentor was uh, Rick Helzer over at San Diego State. Yeah, totally. Um, he helped me out so much with all this learning how to orchestrate and arrange in in this particular fashion, and then um, and I surely had uh, my beefs with Bill Yeager. <laughs> yeah, I know you were gonna say, and he, uh, <laughs> and he helped mediate that. You know, kept me on the straight and narrow. I feel you. I was I was very much mentored and. and brick and i owe him a great great deal and you really took to his arranging so well that i was going to say on the um, on the tune con voz alta your arranging is beautiful thank you really nice arranging for 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 those instruments and and uh, i was saying it part of it reminded me little bits in terms of the way the horn sounded of like maria schneider and mm -hmm. and uh, i know rick was really into her too mm -hmm. so i didn't take much from the arranging class i, I can barely <laughs> do it but I'm, I'm glad you were paying more attention than me <laughs> um Number three, would you rather know the history of any object you touched or be able to talk to animals? Like to just touch this watch and know whose watch it was and who owned it. That could, be, that could be dangerous, man. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. I don't think I would want that because who knows where people have been. People are oh, gross. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to know where that watch is, Ben. Let yeah. me tell you. I'd rather talk, talk to the mouse and say, hey, man, where's this guy been? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I mean, you know. You're assuming animals are as innocent as humans, but they probably are. Is this one of those are. astrological podcasts now? Yeah, exactly. Wait, read, read me my horoscope. <laughs> uh, I'm ready. Yes, we're very super mega ultra spiritual here on San Diego Sessions. Uh, number four, what's your favorite two-horn combo in jazz? My favorite two-horn combo Tenor and trumpet, the classic, the classic, the classic, the classic. You know what though? I've been playing a lot with um, tenor and trombone mm. with Surefire, and I really do like that combination of the the high tenor with the mid range trombone. I think that gives a lot of power too. I've I've always liked that too. Yep. I mean, when I was first starting out in, in high school, we had my friends and I had a little combo, and that was the instrumentation. Uh, number five. This versus that. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Mexican painter and muralist Diego Rivera mm -hmm. or Cuban-American saxophonist and clarinetist Paquito de Rivera. Oh, man. That's that's so tough. You know what? I have to say Diego Rivera. Um, only because his, his um, artwork, his murals are such a Mexican treasure. You know, and and they're they're gonna be there forever. And I love I love Paquito's playing, and um and he was definitely a big influence on me. But I think the the art Diego Rivera's art will influence more art. Yeah, body of work has more of a significance on impact on the world. Sure, even though Paquito had a huge impact on you. Sure, yeah. Number six, this versus that. Halloween party versus drag ball. Oh man, you did you did some uh, research, did you? I did a little research. Did a little research. That's that's the name of the game here at San Diego Sessions. A little research. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, for 
I, I'd have to say the Halloween party. I never had a chance to go to Drag Ball. Uh, though it looks amazing. It looked like really fun. These are both uh, Cal Arts staples, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. they are big, essentially big parties. Um, although the biggest party is graduation, mm. and um, and that that is just it's it's a whole big event if you've never seen it i mean people just come out just to go see it right because everyone goes it's a bunch of art students and people come up with really crazy stuff exactly i remember rick helzer who also went to cal arts yeah told the story about how somebody for his graduation early in the morning snuck under the podium and hung out there and then when they called his name started sawing <laughs> up through the floor and came out of Saw, saw his saw his way out, yeah. sawed his way out, and then emerged in his cap and gown. What? Wow, <laughs> Which, that's so awesome! That is man, so, that nothing like that really happens anymore. I mean, there was a guy that shaved his head on stage. I mean, that was kind of cool. Wow, yeah, a friend of mine. Yeah, he uh, shaved. No, not his head, but he shaved his beard, and he had been growing his beard all year. Uh, and he took that day to shave it on stage. Very nice, very cool, very Cal Arts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> number seven, and this is just a free association thing. Answer it however you like. Herb Alpert? I think of just so many vinyls. Yeah, you go to like, a thrift store and there's like, every thrift store has at least a dozen Tijuana Brass, Herb yeah. Alpert and Tijuana Brass. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually did some research and I wondered why his name was on two different schools. You know, like uh, at CalArts, they have a Herb Alpert school of music and then at ucla they have a herb alpert school of music and i was like what's so special about herb alpert well i guess he just has his hands in lots of cookie jars yeah he, <laughs> he and his wife i think are like huge philanthropists yeah like give a ton of money yeah but i but yeah i've never i've never i don't think i've ever, ever sat down and listened to no, him no neither neither have i oh man come on have you ever gotten to the Spanish her flea i mean that's about yeah, it I've Do you want to the taxi? It. it's great yeah and it's great <laughs> reference material for that whole style you know in the 60s it's amazing yeah. all right well that was a san diego set the san diego seven with ed kornhauser and jesse and speaking of drag ball i think i had the uh distinct honor of being one of the only guys to play a university of north texas lab band concert in a dress oh hey because <laughs> we used to when they did concerts we used to play at a bar you could wear whatever you wanted and yeah. then eventually they moved the lab band concerts to the union so they said everybody has to wear a suit or a dress. So, so I was like, okay, well, those are my options. I'll, just, I'll do yeah, the dress. Yeah. But people still ask me about that. Uh, Did everyone wear a dress or just you? No, it's just me. It was a surprise. I mean, you know, some of the female members of the band wore, wore, also wore a dress. But uh, were, you, were you prettier than them? Did no, you, you? I was not. Absolutely not. Uh, so Jesse, in addition to your work and writing that you did up in LA, you're in a couple great groups here in town. You're a member of mm -hmm. Shorefire Soul Ensemble, which was led mm -hmm. by our friend and podcast guest number 22, Tim Felton. And you're also in, in another group, Fresh Veggies. Yeah. But let's start with uh, Shorefire, since we just heard Balboa Park. Mm -hmm. So you guys have a new record that's about to come out on, on Coal Mine Records. Yeah, we... Um we just finished uh, mixing album three, and it's off to mastering, and um, and those those tracks are going to be essentially the last album that's entirely instrumental. Now we're adding vocals with the help of Will, Willie Fleming on trombone, and I do a little singing too, and so so do the other guys in the band. He sounds great. I had never yeah. heard him sing before recently, and and uh, wow, he's, yeah, he's killer. He's got a great voice. And um, and amazing energy too, so it works really well for the band. So when you're writing for uh, Shorefire, what kind of stuff do you tap into stylistically? Because obviously it's a big contrast to your other or like mm -hmm. I don't want to say orchestral, but like big ensemble jazz work. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I try to keep it as I don't want to say as simple as possible, but I need I keep the melodies um only to what they need. I guess you could say. You know, so if um, I try to create uh, a certain kind of atmosphere with with each melody, like with Balboa Park, um, I was definitely thinking sending the park type of 
vibe. Honestly, a lot of these tunes don't even necessarily have titles yet. So before when I write them, but you certainly get a, a vibe for the tune and you know, you do your best to emulate um, that same vibe. Yeah. And you, I mean, you guys rehearse, I think like once a week and do a lot of gigs. So I think the band, like this is the third record coming up. I saw you guys a couple months back at Winston's, mm-hmm. but the band is really starting to get its own sound, mm-hmm. you know, even in within the quote unquote genre of, of soul or whatever you yeah. want to call it or funk mm-hmm. or I mean you guys also it's all sorts of stuff there's some tunes in there that sound more like afrobeat influenced yeah. and uh and if you want to find out more listen to episode <laughs> 22 <laughs> but yeah we're really looking forward to that new album dropping that's going to be it's going to be a great a great listen is and it going to be on a is there a 45 I mean, a seven-inch and an LP coming out, or yeah, there will be a seven-inch uh, coming out sooner than the the full-length LP. So, um, I don't know the exact uh, release dates, but it should be should be within the next couple months that we're gonna have a uh, that seven-inch out, and then um, after that, vinyl takes a while to press. But we like to have everything on uh, essentially digital and vinyl for sure. We get a a fair amount of play. Uh, from DJs throughout the country and internationally now, which is pretty cool. And you do some some horn arranging for the group in addition to playing and yeah. composing as well. Yeah, I do the um, essentially mo- most of the melodies now. Uh, most of the the horn melodies or backgrounds or anything like that. Um, that'll be my job in the band. So you've also got a new ensemble that you're playing with, Fresh. Veggies Micro Brass. That's right. Fresh Veggies Micro Brass. Mike, do you guys play tiny instruments like toy trumpet? Are you certified organic? <laughs> uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much more organic we can be. Willie, <laughs> our band leader, like grows vegetables in his backyard, and we literally eat them before rehearsals. <laughs> wow. wow, is that why you? That's where the name comes from. Yeah. Why is it a micro brass band? Because instead of being micro veggies, a full yeah. a full brass band, it's just mini size. It's only four of us. Oh, cool. So it's you on saxophone. Yeah, I'm playing Barry sax, um, and exclusively Barry sax, and um, Willie Fleming on trombone. And then uh, we also have sousaphone, uh, Aaron, Greg, and then um, Michael Hayes on drums. Very cool. And what kind of what kind of music do you guys play? Um, I think the closest thing that that we could call it is punk brass. Huh. So, punk music in with brass instruments. <laughs> okay, very cool. Yeah. I always, I mean, I've always thought tuba and sousaphone were the most punk instruments ever. Oh, they totally are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And when you put a, a you know an octaver on it, it gets even more. Oh, is he drop like heinous. a put, put like a mic into the bell or like clip yeah, it on the he, bell of the sousaphone? He drops the mic in the bell and then plugs into an amp um, because it doesn't like he doesn't like to push too hard like you know all of us. But then on top of that, because he does that, he can add a an octaver. That is and, so wrong, and I love so it. So he's using an octave up. Or down. Octave down. Oh my God, that is so wrong. That is wrong. I love it. I used to, I played tuba for eight years. That's, I love that. Sorry. (laughs) How did the group uh, get started? Willie, um, who's our fearless leader, had written a bunch of music and he'd always wanted to have a brass band. And I guess the group had been rehearsing for a few months before I came around and he just asked me one day, he said, Hey, would you be willing to? join up on another project and to be honest like i was already pretty full but i i I said sure you know what i'll just come in until you guys record you know a couple demos and then you'll find someone else but then i ended up just loving the music like it was so dope and it was the most cal arts thing since cal arts (laughs) for me um whereabouts you guys perform at um so we um we've had a few performances at uh places like till two um, performed at a, other little dive bar type of spots because it is technically a punk band. Yeah. So we go where where the punk bands play. Tower bar. Tower things. bar. I was about <laughs> to sorry. Like I'm, sorry, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, no way. <laughs> so you can imagine. Um, we're working on more gigs here and there. Very cool. Yeah. 
we and if people want to like check that out, they could. Do you have a website? Uh, we don't have a website, but we do have a Facebook page, Fresh Veggies Micro Brass, or check our Instagram that gets updated way more often. Nice, Fresh Veggies Micro Brass. Very cool. And once again, you're involved with uh, you're one of the many great horn players in the Gaslamp Quarter Jazz Orchestra and a ranger and a ranger. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of my little. Um, uh, it just gives me an avenue to to write. As long as I have a big band, or you know, it's not my big band, but as long as I there's a big band that's willing to play music and they're good musicians that cool. are able to read. It's a great band. Uh, too. Might as well I, go for it. Yeah, I've performed with them several times, and and it's yeah. and it's really a stellar outfit here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. You've been playing with them for a while. Yeah, I'm one of the original members and also a co leader of that band, along with uh, Isaac Pastrana and Derek Cannon and uh, John Reynolds. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys have any upcoming uh, performances? You do some cool concerts. You do like themed concerts sometimes. It's very cool. Yeah, we have we have something coming up in July, I believe, um, at Off Broadway Live out in Santee. Ah, uh, yeah. And that'll be with uh, Leonard Patton. So we'll be doing some of. Actually, we'll be doing some of his, and I'll um, I'll be arranging some of his tunes for big band. Very cool. So it'll be an in, in, interesting show. Yeah. Uh, we'll check check him out by the way on next week's episode sweet um well thank you again for coming by yeah uh really this has been a great this has been great to get into your music and 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 hear some of your inspirations behind it um we got one more track from yet one more ensemble that you play <laughs> with you're a man of many groups yeah <laughs> um this is the long-standing san diego outfit that you alluded to earlier the afro jazzy yeah mm-hmm. and uh who all plays on this um this is it's uh, all some lo- some local cats yeah local guitarist louis valenzuela former podcast guest <laughs> former podcast guest um uh bassist omar lopez fernando gomez on drums jacob russo on percussion antonio grajeda also on percussion and then uh we had our special guest artist uh dan reagan on trombone oh. and adrian terrazas gonzalez on tenor saxophone all right awesome. yeah thanks again jesse and here we go with cha-cha for lady t Thank you. 
Listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artist. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company.